0: This podcast is designed to keep you up to date with the changes in the business and to give you the mindset, tools, and resources that you need to succeed. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. You know, so first, before we get deep into this, tell everybody who James Rhodes is and what Fixed is. Yeah,
1: so, uh, you know, I started... uh, started fixed with uh clayton who is a gentleman with a project named seldweller back in 2006. so it's an artist-owned label he and i co-found it and it started out of the need for him to have a label infrastructure as an independent artist because he had been signed to multiple really bad labels um, you know got huge advances label folds and he's got this huge deficit to recoup and no way to do it. And so he built an infrastructure up around himself and I was his first employee. Got it. And from there we realized, Hey, we could do everything he needed for his career. So we're like, why don't we form a label and start building this out? So it started with the two of us out to, you know, 15 plus people now.
0: So back, back 15 years ago, for those of you that don't understand, is the only way to get your music distributed to the world was through the record companies because they had the relationships with the distributors. They had the relationships with the promoters. They had the relationships with the radio stations. And then you guys sat there and said, okay, now let me explain something to you guys too about recruitment if he gets dropped from that label, he's not responsible for paying that money back, which is great. Unless you wrote a bad deal and worked with an independent label that may want to try to get you to be responsible for some of that recoupment. So what deal was he in?
1: He was in a bad deal. So he was
0: going to be responsible. So he he was more in an investment deal than a true record deal.
1: So there was a film studio that was entering the major label space and the film studio, which I can't mention by name. That's okay, yep, it. Um, But they are a major film studio that is still around, um, but previously ha- was not in the record industry. They, Lincoln Park had just broke in the early 2000s. Cell Dweller had an electronic rock sound. He was shopping around for deals. They heard him and were interested in signing. And it was, you know, a big advance, you know, six figures flying him to L.A., doing mix sessions with Ben Gross and Scott Humphrey, a bunch of big L.A. mix guys. They were spending, you know, 10 grand a mix and having the same song mixed twice by two big guys to be like, oh, we like this one better. We're just going to throw this one in the trash. And then 9-11 happened and this studio had a big presence in New York. And they were impacted by 9-11. And after that happened, they went, you know what? We're not going to move forward with this label division. We're going to stick to film. By the way, that, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars we put into this, you owe us all that back if you want to release this. We own these masters and all the
0: recordings. So they so they put the recoupment versus the masters. So yeah. you recoup it, you can get the masters. Okay, great. So, so you guys then start this record company. And what were the things that you felt you would be able to do better for yourself that you felt he wasn't getting. Because right now, even though we're sitting there having this conversation, James and I are talking about 15 years ago, it's the same conversation today. It's like you have the ability to be your own record company. You have the ability to get all these things. And then we're going to go into some of the things that you know Fixed has been doing. And it's F-I-X-T for those of you, I'm wearing my Smile Direct aligners if it sounds like I'm spitting up all over myself. F I X online.com. You can go check them out if you want to know what's happening. But these are all the same things that you guys can do today. They've just taken a very different approach and have found ways to generate income that most record companies aren't even looking for right now. So 15 years ago, Clayton's like, okay, we could be doing this ourselves." What was the, what was the first thing that you guys went out and did that was your aha moment that went, wait, not only can we do it for him, but we can do it for others.
1: Yeah, there was really kind of two areas at the time that stood out to us. One was running an online e-commerce store and selling merch direct to fans. So that was when I became his first employee before we started the label. And it was just his artist project that I was helping with. He had me take over his merchandise business and You know, completely modernized it from punching in credit card numbers on a terminal, dialing over a you know a modem to automated processing. So it was a you know anything he would give me, I would try to over deliver on refining and improving it. But quickly we realized good customer service, building a direct to consumer fan base. Our customers were ordering from us. They would see you know a handwritten note on an invoice in the packing order, and we built an email list which is actually a third piece to this puzzle I'll add in. We, we started building an email list direct to consumer, and that has become an invaluable asset. You know, 15 years later, sure. we're still using email as a big driver of, of hitting our diehard fans.
0: Well, not uh, everyone's going to see your posts, but everyone gets their email. Now, whether they open it or not is right. a different question, but if you have done things properly, there's a real good chance that you can get these people to open up your email. So fast forward to today, you guys are now a remote record company. You're able you're you know how many artists are you guys representing? You guys focus a lot in the rock space.
1: So we have two label divisions. Fixed is the electronic rock side. So it is pushing rock and metal but with some sort of electronic prog- programming involved. So that's really kind of the niche we built from the beginning and then about Two years ago, we started a second label division, Fixed Neon, which is more the 80s synthwave retro-inspired thing that's happening. And uh, between both rosters, we're around 25 artists. So we've got a fairly big roster uh, that's doubled, more than doubled in the past two years since launching the, the new division with Fixed Neon.
0: Interesting. And lately, from what I've read is that you guys have made quite the splash. And with that style of music that you're doing in the gaming world, let's talk about that for a bit and how that works. And I don't know how much detail you can go into, but a lot of people are always asking me about gaming and you guys seem to have that dialed in. So as much as you can share on it and and the process, because what I tell people when they want to come on the podcast is I said, I don't care what you're doing, what can you teach? I want the people who are listening to this that may not be assigned to your label. What are some cool takeaways that they can understand that you've seen that you're okay sharing? And I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely.
0: So we have been really big
1: proponents of licensing in general. So film, TV, as well as video games, and we can focus on the video game side. Um, And some of it does go beyond just licensing, but you know, being really active with knowing about your rights, whether you're an independent artist or with a label, how your master and your publishing rights work and having those work in harmony with each other um, to be able to go properly pitch them and get them licensed in a film, TV or video game. And with the style of music that we create or that we put out, Um, it's kind of naturally lended itself to a younger demographic that are into video games. So we have had a a lot of music in game, but also we're going, again, uh, a piece that's worked for us is going direct to consumer. We're going out and, and encouraging users on Twitch and YouTube to use our music, and they can use our music in their videos on YouTube for free as long as they're not monetizing it in which YouTube content ID kicks in and it becomes a revenue stream for us.
0: Okay, so if if I have a gaming channel that I'm not monetizing, you're like, dude, go ahead, use my music because you're gonna get the collection from whoever your distributor is through YouTube anyway. So you're making money that way.
1: And so we've gone out, you know, where some labels have thrown up the block and say, hey, you can't use it without permission anywhere we've said, we've actually encouraged for years, go use our music for free on YouTube as long as you're not monetizing it. And if you do wanna monetize it, we have a simple licensing process on a per song or video or different arrangements that will work out with you. But encouraging people to use it for free has become a six figure a year revenue stream for us
0: through Content ID. Wow, now let me ask you this. So when you decide to strike the deal yourself, is this you saying, X amount of dollars, no back end, and you can use it for X number of whatever, whatever, or how, do, how would one of those work?
1: Yeah, so it's as simple as, hey, you wanna use one of our tracks in a single video that you're putting on your cha- on one channel, and as long as it's non-commercial, or it's not a product or trailer for some other product, but just like a personal video, but you also wanna uh, monetize it on your channel, we can do that for as little as 30 bucks as a one-time license. Got so, it. you know, from 30 bucks up to, you know, depending on the type of use, several hundred dollars. Sure. I mean, The YouTube uses are usually, you know, in
0: that lower tier range. Because what people need to understand is that's about what you would be getting with the percentages of pennies that you're paid royalties anyway, correct? So it's almost like a wash. Right. You're getting your 30 bucks one way or the other. Right. Yep. But we've, you know, we found that a lot of you know content
1: creators on YouTube, unless they're really getting into where they're building a massive audience to monetize their channel, they just want access to good music that they can use. And there's so many blocks from so many other partners they can't use good music. And so we support that as well as: hey, when you have a budget to pay for licensing music and you want to monetize it, we'll help you there. Or if you're a huge channel, we might even do a promo deal where we'll let you use it for free and you can monetize it, but now we're getting free exposure to millions of your right. followers.
0: Your name showing up at the bottom. Rick, you know, this is Rick Barker, uh, blah, exactly. blah, blah. It's okay. So, how do you do that through your distributor? So, if someone wants to say, hey, CD Baby, don't start claiming everything and keeping people from using my music, how do you do that through your distributor? So, we.
1: We as a default rule with our content ID partner, we don't block anything. Okay. We choose to monetize. So we do put a claim on everything automatically. If an individual channel comes and they want to license something, then we contact our content ID partner or you know, you would go through your distributor and say, hey, release this video. They have permission to use it. Got it. So you do need to work with whoever your partner sure. is on those rights.
0: Got it. Okay. What else have you found over the past couple years? What are you encouraging your artists to do right now during at the taping of this? There's the pandemic, a lot of people at home, a lot of people in front of the computer. What are you encouraging your artists to do right now during this time?
1: So always for us, it's focus on creating great art. So writing more music, you know, if you're not out touring, you're stuck in, it's an even better time to work on, you know, honing your craft, writing good music, and going direct to consumer, being on social media, engaging, responding to comments, talking with your audience, being, you know, a real personality to them. And that authenticity of, of really showing up there, it just pays off, you know, so many dividends.
0: Okay, now I'm gonna kind of flip the script here for a second for the next couple of minutes before we get out of here band feels that you're the label that they want to represent them. What are you looking for when a band, because this is different now, guys, when you've got a label that's run by band dudes and other artists, it's very different than a label run by suits. So they may be a little bit more lenient on things than the suits might be, but what makes a good fit for you and an artist today? And what do you want them to already have in place before even knocking on your door that's gonna make this the best win-win situation possible?
1: Absolutely. So being a culture fit for us is really important. And to us that means, not that they just have great music, which is a given that we have you know, the music- has We're assuming integrate.
0: that guys, I, I wanted to get that out of the way. We're assuming you've got quality music.
1: Right but you have to be somebody that has the right attitude and is in it for the music. So we've had a lot of artists that approach us that they may be talented, have great music, but they're using that as a step stool to partying and drugs and girls and all of that. And if that's your motivation, it's, you know we're definitely not the right fit for, for somebody where that's the end goal. So somebody that, we're going to get along with somebody we want to do business with, you know, that they're, you know, good attitude that they take feedback and conversation well that it's somebody that We're going to want to spend a lot of time with because the reality is if you're working with a label. You're going to spend a lot of time with them. And if they're not people you want to work with as an artist or the label doesn't enjoy working with you. It's going to lead to, to you know, headbutting in the future. So making sure that you're actually doing business with people that you want to be doing business with.
0: Is there a certain number of streams you look at? Is there a certain number of engagement? A lot of people always ask me, Rick, what's the magic number for a label? And I'm like, a lot of labels are different, but in the rock space, what are the, what are the, the readings? What are you looking at? Are you looking at their Insta? Are you looking at the, where, where are you looking to make sure that you're oh. invested in a business? So Spotify
1: is definitely, you know, the, the, I'd say the king as far as where we first look social media, we want to see that they're engaging, that they're active, that they're doing something on those platforms. But, you know, for us having a bunch of numbers on Spotify, isn't always a requirement. We found some gems that have literally a couple hundred monthly listeners and but it's just the right material we start dialoguing they're the right fit and we've grown it from a few hundred to a hundred thousand monthly listeners in you know a fairly short amount
0: of time. well and that's the key right now if it goes back to not every label is the right label for the right person it's like the the thing too is what i've always shared and please correct me if i'm wrong i'm not here for you to agree with everything that i say but at least give somebody a spark and a little flame that they can put gasoline on. I just don't think it's the label's responsibilities anymore to start your spark. You know, I think that they need to understand that this is a relationship and for this relationship to work, both parties need to kind of understand what's going on because if you create a good music and you've got 200 monthly listeners, by the way, guys, that's a lot for a lot of people. If you look at the fact that 40,000 songs are uploaded every day and you were able to get 200 people. And then if you can get those over into followers, somebody like a label at that point can come and put their resources or can come in and say, hey, you only have 200 monthly followers right now, but we know a game that's looking for a song just like this and we put you on that game. And that's, so there's this whole, everything's different, you know? It's like, that's what I think, James, I keep telling people is no two artists career paths have ever been the same. And unless the music's right, we can't try all these different things.
1: Yeah. We've really found that it is a partnership. We have had artists that just expected, oh, they signed with a label. So now they can kind of check out and expect us to do everything. And those, even if we've move the needle some, those have been way less successful than when we get involved in tandem and they're pushing just as hard on their socials and their marketing and their promo as we are. And when you work together as a team, that's when the magic happens.
0: Got it. How can people find out more about you? Follow the label, follow you on socials. And if someone's wanting to submit music, what is that process as well so that it is solicited Yes, not unsolicited. Yes.
1: So the label is Fixed, but our handle is at Fixed Music, at F-I-X-T Music. The second division uh, is Fixed Neon, so at Fixed Neon. And I'm on Facebook or on LinkedIn, James Rhodes, but on Facebook, it's slash Jimmy Rhodes. Got it. And you can submit on either of our websites, fixedonline.com or fixedneon.com. There is a submissions tab that walks you through. We use a, a platform called Label Radar, uh, which we highly recommend. And artists can submit right through there and you're guaranteed to get some sort of indication that we listened to it. And if we
0: passed on it or if we're interested. Oh, love that. So it's called Label Radar.
1: Label Radar is a, is a service that we recommend and we use their their engine on our submission page that people submit
0: through got it man well i appreciate that and i'm super excited to see um people you know approaching that whole gaming world it's like there's only 40 50 spots on the charts folks but there are kids every day and the millions that are online looking for cool kick butt music that nobody knows and the netflix shows it's like there's so many different places for you to get streams these days, and the more we can look at them, and that's what attracted me when the folks had reached out about you, was I'm like, okay, I haven't talked to anybody on the gaming side right now, and being able to go direct to the gamers, let's let's end with this. How would you approach somebody on Twitch, or how would you approach a YouTuber? I was just
1: gonna say, I'd like to throw in here at the very end, bringing up Twitch, because I didn't mention it earlier, but we have also been really proactive in reaching out to Twitch users, and making sure that our music is Twitch safe so that it's not getting blocked from people using it on Twitch. And there are streamers, content creators on Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, Facebook that need music. And so again, if you know your rights and you know that your catalog through whatever distributor you're working through or label, if they're not blocking that or if if better they know that they're encouraging that, Than going out to those streamers and telling them, here's my music, you can use it, or here's how you can use it. But just starting the
0: conversation and encouraging those users to to find your music. Dude, I appreciate you. Thank you guys again for joining and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and thank you for the question. As you see, there is no one size fits all model with the music business, so I do appreciate that. To help you figure out where you are and where you want to get to, head on over to the website, rickparker.com, and take the Are You Ready for a Manager Assessment? While you're there, you can also click on the podcast link and leave a message. And who knows, maybe you'll be featured in an upcoming episode. If you know someone who can benefit from this, I would really love it if you would give it a share, if you would subscribe it onto whatever platform that it is that you're listening to, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Ciao. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.